and welcome to the latest episode of the new PL Principles and Leadership in Business, the podcast series. I'm Paul, the host of the new PL, and I'm very grateful you've taken the time to listen today. Just before we start the podcast, as we have over the last few weeks, clearly we're experiencing very unprecedented times, and it's a very worrying time for many. So I wanted to start the podcast again by expressing to everyone my sincerest wishes, and I hope you're keeping safe. And I want to thank all of those people working on the front lines across the world to save us from this pandemic and those looking after us in a multitude of ways, from the NHS workers and the healthcare workers to the care workers to the delivery drivers and so on, supermarket workers too. Thank you to everyone. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or another platform and you like what you hear, please do take a moment to review us. It all helps with our ratings and our rankings. And if you'd like to ensure you never miss another episode of the new PL, and just go to principlesandleadership.com and subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of our community. We believe business needs a new PL, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss. Because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose, and your leadership has a clear vision, focus, strength, and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. This week on the new PL, I'm very pleased and excited to introduce and welcome. Maggie Berry to the show. Maggie is Executive Director for Europe for We Connect International, a global organization supporting supplier diversity and procurement and helping majority-owned women businesses to connect in the corporate supply chain. With a background in technology in the financial services sectors, Maggie was awarded an OBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours List for Services to Women in Business and Technology. And she's also been honored by the World Economic Forum as a young global leader and has served as a Global Agenda Council member on employment. So Maggie, a very warm welcome to the new PL Principles and Leadership and Business podcast series. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Paul. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Uh, so I think it'd be great if you could start um, perhaps just by giving us a, a brief overview of what you do in your role, but also more broadly speaking, what WeConnect uh, delivers to woman-owned businesses across the globe. Absolutely. So will you give a, a very clear overview just, just a couple of moments ago? But yes, we are a supplier diversity campaign and the we of WeConnect stands for Women's Enterprise and we're all about connecting women-owned businesses into corporate supply chains. So mostly when we're talking about diversity, it often kind of turns to workforce diversity, but actually what we're looking at is diversity um, in, in supply chains and whether big business is buying products and services from diverse owned mm -hmm. businesses, so previously underutilized suppliers, and we connect as a gender campaign, so we're focused specifically on women-owned businesses. And really, at its core, it is about how we can help um, the large multinationals that we work with. We work with a coalition of over 100 multinationals, how we can help them meet uh, and connect and build relationships with women-owned businesses who could be potential future suppliers. Um, it is a genuine pleasure for me to work with the organization and to work with the, the stakeholder groups, you know, both our, the large multinationals and the amazing women-owned businesses in the network. And everything we're doing is really to bring those two groups together um, to create opportunities for, for connections. And it's, um, yeah, I think even at this moment, it's, you know, the importance of supplier diversity is coming to the fore in, you know, even more so in this yeah. moment for the world. Thank you. When, when you sort of think back pre-pandemic when you were speaking to some of the woman-owned businesses in your network, what, what in your view were the three key challenges facing women in business and how do you think the pandemic will impact on these challenges in either positive or negative ways? 
for, for within the world of We Connect International, um, our focus is very much how, about how we can increase visibility on procurement opportunities for the women-owned businesses in our network. Um, and that, I think, access to markets has, you know, has been and, you know, probably is remaining still a challenge for women-owned and other diverse and, and small businesses generally. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, for a lot of the corporations we work with, procurements may be slightly on hold or the opportunities that we've been seeing have very, been very specific around things like PPE, hand sanitizers, that kind of stuff quite rightly at this, at this moment. Think maybe there's a worry that some, you know, some firms might revert back to just working with big suppliers and you know maybe look to exclude SMEs from the supply chains. But you know we're we're hoping not, and we will continue to campaign for that not that for that not to happen. So I think the access to business opportunities. Um, I also think there's for women-owned businesses. Um, you know there has been challenges around specifically access to finance, yeah. um, which again I I. I don't know yet whether this current scenario will impact positively or negative, uh, negatively. I suspect possibly negatively, as I as I suspect we're going to be moving into uh, a moment of probably, I don't want to use the word recession, but certainly decreased business activity as the world kind of works out what what it's going to be looking like like in the coming in the coming months. But I think individually for for the women, the the business owners that we work with, there's they are, you know, so many amazing business owners in our network who are showing great resilience and self-belief and that they had that before, they have it now and they will have it, you know, into the future in bucket loads. And I think it's holding on to that and those those innate characteristics that make them the really brilliant business leaders that they are that will you know, remain in place. Yeah. I mean, there's been a huge amount written on the on the difference between male and female leadership and, and the natural qualities each gender perhaps brings to the business table. Do you, sub, do you subscribe to the suggestion that, are, that there are some qualities and characteristics that men or women are much more naturally aligned with, or do you think it's much more about the individual than the, than the gender, so to speak? Yeah. I, I, when I think about this, if I look at my own career and the, you know, the, the people that I've worked with over the years, I mean, it's for me personally it's definitely been about the individual whether they're male or female they they just have certain traits that make them amazing amazing leaders and you know people that i've interacted with who have um shared their experiences offered mentoring and and just shown me the way over years and you know there there has been a mix of male and female and i think sometimes some of those are leadership traits that doesn't it doesn't matter where they come from however there are stereotypes for a reason and certainly there are different leadership traits that men and women will, you know, do display and, you know, maybe women are more, um, more aligned, showing caring characteristics and empathy, maybe more so, um, maybe more so than sometimes males are given uh, credit for, but, for me, the bottom line is a, a brilliant leader is a brilliant leader and it doesn't matter whether they are male or female. I mean, certainly the, the pandemic, when you look uh, across the world at the, the global responses or individual nations' responses, um, many of those countries that have female leaders, and I think about New Zealand and Germany and some of the Nordic countries, um, seem to have, and I will caveat this at this point, but seem to have had thus far um, more success in dampening or, or containing the pandemic. Do you, 
do you think those female leaders have brought something to sort of give a nod to the last question those female leaders have brought something unique or a combination of skills to the table that have enabled them to seemingly perform better than some other leaders yes there's a really interesting article that um uh, Avaya Wittenberg-Cox wrote on Forbes. It was a great article. I saw it a few weeks ago. We actually shared it with our network because it had struck me so closely. I, 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 addressing exactly this around the, the ways that female leaders, and obviously there's not that many mm-hmm. of country, country level uh, leaders in the world. But yes, I mean, certainly in New Zealand, I mean, Jacinda Ardern, she acted very quickly. I think what the article was, refer- was kind of referencing that say, you know, Angela Merkel in Germany, she took very decisive action very quickly, took it very seriously from the beginning. Um, you know, the, and that kind of decisive action maybe hasn't been displayed elsewhere. I wonder whether there's maybe a bit more political uh, blustering going on. Um, I also love the fact that around the, um, the PM in Norway, she acted a session where she spoke directly to the, the children of Norway about what this was going to mean. And I thought that, you know, actually talking directly to her younger constituents, which I really, you know, I really like that as an, as an approach. Um, you know, I haven't seen that displayed everywhere. So, I mean, yes, this comes down to, I mean, there obviously are certain, you know, different characteristics, but, you know, these are amazing, uh, amazing uh, leaders and I wish, there was, I wish there was more of them. <laughs> uh, that would be amazing to see. I mean, there's a great deal of work sort of being done through many organisations like your own um, to empower women in business across, across the globe. And we're clearly at the early stages of the fourth industrial revolution or, or heading full throttle into, into it, depending on who you <laughs> speak to. And this will have an impact on all of us in the terms of the way we do our jobs, both women and men. Um, mm. questions around whether jobs will actually exist in the future and what we need to do our, ourselves collectively and individually to put ourselves in the right place. So what do you think women specifically or the next generation of women specifically need to do to ensure they're both at the forefront of driving this technological change but yeah. also have the right skills and education to create a successful future for themselves in this new world? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's just the next generation. I think it's all women. I, you know, I think you know we're behoving upon ourselves to make sure that we are, you know, aware of the changes in our industries and you know understand what's happening. You know, the trends that would be affecting or impacting our businesses. Um, and certainly, when I look at the business owners that we work with, the ones who are really, I think, coping very well in the scenario are often ones who I know have um, taken it upon themselves to do some formal business education. Um, you know, maybe, maybe participated in programs, they've maybe done an MBA, different things like that, but they've equipped themselves with the business skills they need to really drive and grow their businesses in any scenario, including moments of, of crisis. And I mean, one of, one of the example programs that um, is run by one of the corporations that we work with, Goldman Sachs, they run a program in the UK, it's called the 10,000 Small Businesses Program. And a number of our female business owners have been through it. And I know the positive impact that it's had how they have been able then to look at their business and work out what they need to be doing, you know, to making sure, you know, making sure it is positioned for growth. And this moment around how they can maximise what the, you know, the opportunities that have been presented in this moment, even though they're, you know, it's quite an odd moment, you know, they have been able to, to take that knowledge and experience that they've gained on these programmes. And it's interesting, I often ask the business owners whether they have done any formal enterprise kind of business education, and, and a large number have not. You know, they've set their businesses up because they're passionate about a topic or an area, or they quite simply want to do their own things. 
but actually you really do need to equip yourself you know with the skills and experience that you that you need um and understanding you know the innovation that you need to keep your business um keep your business developing and i think what we've seen in this scenario is we have seen some business and I go, oh my, you know, everything's collapsing around me. And then we've seen some business owners go, right, what am I going to do to mm-hmm. <laughs> change what we're doing and kind of alter our track for a bit? I mean, even for some, it's been like, they have said, we have been planning to do some virtual stuff for ages. We've never got around to it. This has made us do it. This is great. Now, look, we've got, we've got a whole new suite of products that we'll hopefully be able to, you know, not hopefully, we'll be able to keep using, hopefully when the world um, writes itself and, I think that, I mean, that's a very kind of basic, basic example, but I, th- I think it's really important for business owners to, to understand that a lot of this sits with themselves. Um, and then I think for, for that next generation, um, make, I want to see, and maybe from my own background, having done a lot of work around women in tech, is ensuring that we have plenty of young women who are coming through studying, you know, studying technology or STEM, STEM-related subjects and and knowing that it you know that they can, they can and that there will be opportunities in those you know in those industries for them um interestingly one of the team that her daughter is um i think she's in the sixth form studying technology and she'd said to her mum who works with me she's like i wouldn't you know if it was at a mixed sixth form she's at an all girls school if it was if it was at a mixed school i might not be doing this subject but in the in the girls school i may but you know no worries i'm going to excel and I'm going to do well and I love the subject Um, so yeah interesting but I I think for each individual and I and I I've done you know I've offered lots of informal careers advice to many people over many years because I've because of the kind of roles that I've done and you are the only person you know who is number one in your life if that makes sense around taking control and taking the steps that you need to to make the changes that you want to in your life that only sits with you yeah I mean, I, and I guess part of that, you know, that self-belief and that that um, belief that you can achieve at the highest level is is looking up to inspirational role models. And I guess one thing that concerned me when I was doing the research for this podcast was I read a Harvest Business, Business Review article from 2019, and it was looking at relative progress of gender equality in business, and it made for quite a quite a sobering read. The research mm-hmm. cited in the article that women in leadership positions, although they perform statistically at a significantly higher level than, than many men and the vast majority of leadership competencies that they measured, that only 4.9% of Fortune 500 CEOs and 2% of S&P 500 CEOs are, are women. And in some areas, those numbers are declining. So mm. what are the steps to get from inspiration to reality in terms of that next generation looking up and seeing you know, an equal number of women and men in those senior roles. How do we get there? Yeah, I mean, the importance of role models is is huge. It's it's one of the things that I think to be needs to be more spread across society and and um and media. You know, TV programs and all you know all this kind of yeah kind of things. I think role models are important, really important. I think the coming me just a few minutes about the, the um, that kind of self belief, uh, and I wonder whether it's rather than self belief, whether it's maybe a bit more around self awareness and really. Mm-hmm. You know, not you know, not um, overestimating your abilities, but being you know quite self-aware of what they are, where you can deliver value, and where maybe there's other people in your team that you would um, maybe who you would put ahead of yourself because they're you know they they can maybe do things um, with more ability. So I, I think there is a 
a, a piece around that around women I, I believe having you know being more self-aware um, and I think the studies t I think tend to show that women are less I would say women are less overconfident than men um, and so I think it's useful you know for women you know I think if women have that kind of ability to understand you know what their skills are and how people how people view them, I think that's very important I think the other I think another piece in this around kind of bridging the gap there's um a new book being published published by um, an author who I've worked with over a number of years called um, Dr. Suzanne Doyle-Morris. And mm -hmm. she's in a new book and it's called The Con Job, Competence versus Confidence and getting ahead for competence in a world kind of kind of already kind of all being obsessed with confidence and really how we can change the world of work to value competence yes. of that, you know, the ability to kind of... <laughs> big yourself up without a lot of backing and I think it might be an interesting read for many people to look at this in a bit more in a bit more depth because I think there is a a, a mismatch between you know women being overly as that's you know women are not as overconfident as men and I think that whole piece around women are very competent but don't necessarily big themselves up so I, yeah. I there's I mean this this is a big it's a big old topic um and I mean, I, as I was looking, I was like, gosh, we could, you know, work, talk about that one. So that, all, yeah, that, that yeah. one question with so many people. But um, I, I do think the subject of Suzanne's new book is, is a very interesting one and very pertinent for, for women in business generally and, and female leaders. One, one <laughs> thing that struck me when you were talking about the competence versus confidence, I guess, in a world where everything needs to be measured, um, competence is perhaps an easier framework to measure. So we should be leaning towards that anyway, as business has become more uh, competitive, as things become tighter, as we come out of this pandemic as well. There is a need to ensure that everyone is delivering productivity and is competent in their delivery of that productivity. Yeah. So hopefully maybe there is a there is an opportunity for a sort of a, a large step in the right direction in that, in that regard. Yeah, I hope so, <laughs> I hope so. Um, in terms of when you were developing your career, uh, who inspired you in terms of women in business? Hmm. I, I feel very lucky to have spent many years uh, being involved with uh, Women in Business Networks because it's given me tons of opportunity to hear from amazing speakers. And when I think back, I've been asked this question before, like who's inspired you? I don't think there's not one specific name, you know, not say a specific famous politician or a business leader, but I have gathered so much knowledge and experience from simply hearing amazing senior leaders, mostly women, share their experiences. And there have been a number of women along the way who have really, I think been, with me, been very generous with their time in terms of sharing their experiences, uh, offering, you know, I mentioned before about, you know, the leadership traits, sharing, you know, offering that kind of mentoring and, and time and as an insight into as I was as I'm as I was building out my career in earlier years around what what maybe some of the steps needed to be and I I in turn and I'm a little bit further down my career to try and do that with others if people want to have people want to have a conversation so there's not necessarily famous people that I can name um mm. but I think it's it's kind of like a a mix of all those different bits of advice and I one of my favorite ones which I actually had on a post-it on my computer at work for a long time was the phrase just act as if yes. if not sure 
act as if you know, act as if don't, you know, you don't necessarily need to give away that you don't know everything and you don't necessarily need to wear your heart and sleeve, you know, you know, kind of keep your counsel, but act as if you're, you're in control of the situation. If you're, you know, if things are maybe going on and, and I used to have that just there because I would be in situations often where I was like, this is really pushing my comfort zone. <laughs> um, and I'm not quite sure, but that's fine. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going because the bottom line is nobody knows what's going on in your, yeah. knows what's going on in your, in your head. And I think now at WeConnect and working with all the, the amazing, uh, the kind of the, the corporate champions that we work with who are pushing this topic around supplier diversity, it's not easy, you know, and they're really pushing the forefront. I love working with them and, and learning from them. And then from our business owners, man, I have picked up a ton of brilliant pieces of advice, you know, al- along the way. And they're just little nuggets and I, yeah. Collect them all and um and call you know, call upon when I when 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 needed. Okay. Um we connect obviously works with women owned businesses across the globe. Um we are you're based in the UK as am I and we're recording it here and I know you work across Europe. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to get your perspective on in terms of how the UK compares with other countries in terms of the way the UK embraces and supports women owned businesses mm-hmm. and for, and I think also, you know, what measures and initiatives have you seen in other countries that you believe we should consider adopting here? Mm. So for me, uh, the kind of stats that I normally quote are around that women women own about 20% of businesses in the UK. We're 50% of the working population, but we only own 20% of businesses. So for me, women are underrepresented in terms of business ownership. Mm. Globally, that stat is about 30%. So globally, it's not, it's, not, it's not a lot. It's not a lot more. I think specifically in the UK, there is lots of support out there, you know, if you want to start and grow your business. In fact, th- there's so much. I'm, I'm always very surprised when people say, oh, I, you know, I don't know where to start. It's like, I, just go- go- Google can bring so much. But, um, you know, the, the government has support schemes local enterprise partnerships have support schemes banks have support schemes there's accelerators who will help you build an idea natwest who we work with have entrepreneur hubs that you can go into i think they're 12-week programs and they'll help you take your idea and grow i mean there's there's just so much stuff out there which is um and i think it's a case of uh taking hold of it and i think that kind of loops back to what i was saying earlier is like only you can take control of your career same thing if you're wanting to step and grow your business there there may be some you know compromises or sacrifices you need to make along you need to make along the way yeah. um, i think in terms of what i see in other countries um supplier diversity came out of the u.s market it actually came out of the black uh, the black power movement the civil rights movement in the 1960s and the u.s government recognized that um ethnic minority-owned businesses needed more support to be able to compete on a level playing field. Um, I, it is more, as a business concept, concept, it is more embedded in that US market and it would be great if we could see more government support in Europe generally around specifically encouraging business to consider buying from diverse owned businesses. The UK has a target around 30% of spend with SMEs generally but it would be great to see another layer on that which is specifically we want we want there to be you know support around buying from underrepresented groups so whether that's women-owned ethnic minority-owned lgbt-owned etc would be that would be very welcome and i think would make more organizations be cognizant of this as part of their diversity programs that they should be looking at 
and I think just as a final point is really actually more focused towards the women-owned businesses themselves is if you're setting up a business, you need to think about what, what kind of market you're going into and are you going into an already saturated market? Are you setting up mm. a coaching consultancy? Are you setting up, you know, what, what is it that you're doing and how does it stand out? And if you want to supply large corporates, are you creating a business that has products and services that they want to buy? And I think that for me is the other part of this. It isn't just about big business buying more from the women-owned businesses. It's the women-owned businesses having, having the products and services that, that corporates want to buy. So um, a current conversation within WeConnect International is actually related to facilities management. And I had been chatting with some of my colleagues globally around saying I've had a few requests recently for facilities management type suppliers and the really interesting thing is that we really don't have many in Europe and I was sanity checking whether that was the same everywhere it is we haven't really been able to find many facilities management suppliers and we're going to do a a mini campaign really within the organization and our social media channels to really try and say right are there any women-owned facilities (laughs) management suppliers out there because we'd really love to know who you are and where you are because that is an area where a lot of our corporations are looking where they feel they have opportunities where they can engage with the diverse suppliers but at the moment unfortunately we've not really got lots and lots in that space I would like to find more so one example whereas if somebody comes to me for learning and development no we'll have or you know marketing agents we'll have a really brilliant roster of women-owned businesses that we can put in front of them already um and so I think it's very, you know, important to understand what kind of market you're going into and what, you know, what that market opportunity might look like. Yeah. I mean, are there certain industries that stand out in a positive sense when it comes to best practice in terms of gender equality or supporting and helping to drive women-owned businesses? Yeah. I, w- I wondered whether it was industry-specific or actually maybe whether it was company-specific. Right. You know, for example, we do a lot of work with... Um, we do a lot of work with Accenture. They have a diverse supplier development program that they run in multiple countries. They do some brilliant work in this space. We've done a lot of work with Procter & Gamble in multiple countries around the world, running specific business training programs for women-owned businesses. We're currently doing um, a financial education program with Moody's. These, these companies are investing in the skills development for, for women-owned businesses specifically. And, you know, they're all quite different sectors. Um, I think what I normally say is where there are women in the workforce that kind of directly maps onto where women set up and run and own their own businesses. So if somebody comes to me and says, we're looking for women owned businesses in the, in construction, Mm. we're probably not going to have too many to refer. But if somebody comes to me and says, we're looking for women owned businesses in say marketing events, we're going to have a much larger, um, you know, a much larger portfolio of businesses to recommend. Mm. Um, I think one of the in- broader industries where I see a lot of support from corporations is healthcare, pharmaceuticals and healthcare. I think those industries um, have quite a high percentage of females in the workforce, but they also recognize the positive impact that females make to their industry. Um, and as such, I think they have, they've embraced some of these supplier diversity programs uh, more readily maybe than some other sectors. Yes. I mean, your website states that currently only around 1%, which is extraordinary when I read it, um, but 1% of global corporate spend goes to, to woman-owned yeah. businesses. So to give, I guess, listeners some context, some relative context on this, what does that equate to in dollars or pounds terms? <laughs> it's do- uh, in dollars. Um, yeah. 
so it's a representative figure i would say um right. we if we look at we connect we work with over a hundred a hundred multinationals and they represent over a trillion dollars of spend so one percent is about mm-hmm. a billion dollars yeah and, and what and what we're what what we see is this this one percent figure replicates to all large organizations and 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 governments as well you know who are all spending money on products and services mm. and this one percent even shifting it to two percent or three percent is billions and billions and billions of dollars yes. for me it's very much an ecosystem it isn't on one company's shoulders or one government's shoulders to sort this out or up to the un or the world bank to sort this out this is it has to be done as an ecosystem approach you know that it this becomes front of mind but it good, does go back to the point that i just mentioned earlier that as well as corporations and governments stepping up to the plate we also need there to be women-owned businesses that have the right products and services yes yeah to meet to meet that demand do you think this pandemic will help change society's perception of the value of many of the lower paid or lower skilled occupations, roles, which women are also often overrepresented in? Um, you know, so if you think of care workers and supermarket workers and hospital porters and so on, and what do you think that will mean, if so, if it is positive, what do you mean that will, what do you think that will mean for women in the workforce? Uh, absolutely. I think there are, there are, I mean, if you're in a country where children are homeschooling, which is probably most places, I think pretty much everybody's saying teachers need to be paid more money. Yeah, There's yeah. families all around the UK. <laughs> and I think and I and I think very much the same about care care roles as well. And not not just NHS workers, but in all of these hundreds of care homes, you know, ac- across the country. So ab- absolutely I I hope this will have I, I think a, a realization for society of the importance that these people play. Very unassumedly, on a day-to-day basis, they've just been getting on and now yes. the forefront of everything, and and quite honestly, probably not really earning, you know, that I don't, you know, that a, a wage that kind of equates to the scenario that they've all been experiencing in the last, you know, in the last couple of months. Um, so yes, I and I think in terms of how that will impact for women, yes, I mean, I I I, I think there are different um different aspects of this but women are in a lot of those roles that have been impacted by this not only things like the care workers and the supermarkets but they're often in industries working in industries that have been very um uh, negatively hit by this things like childcare, restaurants beauty hair salons that kind of thing there and they're often kind of lower margin industries anyway um and, and what history has shown is that in previous pandemics it has been that that women and girls have been dis- disproportionately impacted. Um, it, it, it is just how, just what, the, how it, how it's panned out. And I think, right from the offset of this, people have been calling out and shouting and saying, "Please don't let that be the same scenario in this moment for the world." Yeah. And what initiatives has We Connect launched over the the last couple of months in response to this crisis? And how do how do women-owned businesses access these initiatives? Gosh, lots, lots of different things. If I just even look at what we've been doing here within the team in Europe, I mean, we've certainly, we do a lot of virtual events anyway, but we've certainly increased the amount of virtual learning we're doing on webinars. Um, we're, we're sending out a weekly resources email, pinpointing either resources from the corporations we work with, from the women-owned businesses, from other, other sites that we've seen across Europe that will offer them some support, you know, whether that is simply some more business learning or whether it's access to loans or funding, whatever that, whatever that might be. Um, 
I think on a, on a global level, we actually had planned right at the, at the beginning of April, we had a, two very large events planned that were due to take place in the States and they, they both went virtual. So we did an amazing 24 hour cyber gala, which featured loads of our amazing women owned businesses all around the world and, mm. and different things that they do. We have published lists of suppliers, women owned suppliers that can provide products to combat the, the COVID-19 challenges. So things like PPE and hand sanitizers, and that's actually up on our, on our website, on the homepage. Um, and we are looking at um, once a year, we normally all get together. And when I say all, I mean our global team and we bring in delegations of women-owned businesses to a very large event in the United States. It's normally in June. It's, it's been postponed until later in the year. But the event that we normally host, our international day, we're taking virtual. Right. And we know we're organizing it and, and we're still trying to offer the same as much as possible same opportunities and one of the very exciting things because i think this offers lots of opportunities is we when we do events we normally do matchmakers whereby we enable our our businesses that are formally registered with we connect to um to get one-on-one -on -one time with a corporation and we're looking into the license for some matchmaking software that means we'd be able to do that virtually which is amazing um so we're we're looking at all the different ways that we can continue to support um, the women-owned businesses in the network. And the way they access it is, is quite simply, you, you need to be registered with us. We have a free registration for women-owned businesses, which I tell everybody to do. Um, it's, um, it, in, you, you can register online. And then we offer a more formal paid-for registration, um, which includes a formal accreditation. And some of the support is, is available to, um, to the certified businesses only, but a lot is available online. And if you are a women-owned business listening to this, please have, have a look at the website, weconnectinternational.org. And, and it's as simple as that. Get registered and then we'll be able to help pinpoint. We've also got all the social media channels, you know, Facebook, yeah, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. And actually the way that we operate is we have a main kind of We Connect International feed and then we have local local feeds. So if your business is, say, based in Nigeria, you can follow the Nigeria team. If you're in um, Latin America, you can follow some, you know, their feeds, which stuff is being Spanish. Um, and then we have our Europe stuff. So we try and accommodate local <laughs> in terms of region and then global, global as well. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, if you could single out one thing, what, in your view, would put women in business on more of a level playing field with men in business? I think that would not only that would be a level playing field for everyone, men, women, ethnic minorities, disabilities, yes. whatever it might be. And I think that for me is it, it plays a role in so many different scenarios on conscious bias. Okay. Move that. That would be very interesting. And just before we uh, we wind up the podcast, at the end of each podcast, we have a the new PL to the point, which is an opportunity for the guests to just deliver or reiterate one or two key points that they would like uh, listeners to take away from the conversation. So I wondered what yours would be from today. Mm. I think for leaders, it's, it's understanding what you need to be doing best to lead, to lead your team well in this, in this kind of scenario. Um, and we, you know, we touched on the different skills that, you know, and the different approaches that men and women have to leadership. One of the big things for me is around, communication styles and the importance of communicating with your team so that they understand the context. So I, I think that, that also that self-awareness piece that we discussed as well, I think that's very important that as a leader, you, 
you you know what you know what's going on inside yourself, so you can then um, help others help others in your team. And I think the overarching message that I would that as an organisation that we share and as a, as a, on an individual level is you know the importance of buying from diverse and specifically women-owned businesses. We influence 85% of consumer purchasing decisions, women. That 1% stat, only 1% of corporate and government spend goes to women-owned businesses currently, and we want to shift that. This will take a global family to do. Um, You know, it's not going to be one by one country or one region or one industry sector. It's definitely a collaborative approach um, we've made, you know, we've made some great starts. I say we work with over a hundred multinationals in this space. We want more companies to come and join us. And I think on on the women-owned business side, we want to know. We want if you're running and owning a women-owned business, we want to know who you are. And I said you can register with us for free. So if you're on the database, we know you're there, and our corporates know you're there, and that's very important. Okay, thank you very much, Maggie. That's um, has been a really good interview. Thank you for your time today. Paul, delighted. Thank you very much. No, my pleasure. For all those interested in finding out more about what Maggie and WeConnect do, please go to weconnectinternational.org. Uh, and to all of those of you who have downloaded and listened to this and other episodes of the new PL, I thank you once again for the time. As I said in the introduction, if you like what you've heard, please do take a moment to review us. It all helps the ratings and rankings. And if you'd like to subscribe, please go to principlesandleadership.com. Just before we go, a quick word from the sponsors of this podcast. Today it was sponsored by UK multimedia design and animation studio Kamuka. You can check them out at kamuka.com, C-A-M-O-U-K-A.com. And if you'd like us to consider you for a very specific topic related to the new PL or interview you, let us know. We'd be very happy to chat. So I'm Paul from the new PL Principles of Leadership and Business podcast series. Thank you once again for listening and stay safe. <laughs>